I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, Small Business Advanced Tax Planning and Compliance Extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Today, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Stacey Tubman. Stacey is the founder and CFO, CEO of Rise Collaborative. Stacey launched a company that is changing the way women do business. Rise Collaborative Workspace has been featured in publications including NBC News, USA Today, Bloomberg, St. Louis Business Journal, and Elle Magazine as a leader in the multi-billion dollar co-working industry. I'm so proud No of pressure. You. Right? <laughs> I've got questions about the industry for you. Uh, since opening in February 2017, Rise Collaborative's growing membership includes 400 of some of the most impressive businesswomen in St. Louis and Denver. Dozens of members have reported business growth of 100%, 150% or more since joining Rise Collaborative, a true testament to the impact of women supporting women. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, it's an honor to be here. I'm so excited. Um, what was your first job? My very first job was I taught gymnastics oh, at 15 great. at the YWCA, no, the YMCA. Mm-hmm. I went for an adult gymnastics class and the instructor basically quit on site. <laughs> So I stepped on in. Yeah. That's so crazy. You still do some gymnastics, I do. There's an awesome gym here in Denver called Awaken Mm -hmm. that kind of has a gymnastics undertone. Uh, It's kind of a cross between gymnastics, yoga, CrossFit. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to really do it justice, but it's a great place. That's crazy. I have no flexibility. (laughs) Like, I don't think I've ever done an actual cartwheel. (laughs) That's like me with hand-eye coordination. I have zero hand-eye coordination. I was a kid that got hit with the ball, you know, in gym class. So, you know, we all have our thing. Right. Oh, mine is always like the leg flap thing. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, No. That Mm -hmm. works. No gymnastics. (laughs) My body's not built for that. (laughs) So your background's in teaching high school math. Um, Tell us about that experience and how it led to creating Rise. Yeah. Never would have predicted I would be here. <laughs> well, now none of us, none yeah, of us right? predicted it's any of this. Yeah, such a crazy path. No, I was a high school math teacher for 12 years. I have my degree in math, and I have my degree in math education. I'm kind of a nerd at heart. We love it. <laughs> yeah, taught math. Thought I wanted to be a principal by the time I was 28. Got my master's uh, right out of college. So at 24, I interned as a principal. Wow. Now, I don't know what you were like at 24. <laughs> I Newly really, married. Yeah. I really knew how to be an adult, let alone <laughs> tell 17 and 18-year-olds, you know, that they're in mm-hmm. trouble mm-hmm. and then tell teachers double my age how to be a good teacher when yeah. I, you know, just barely knew how to be a teacher myself. Sometimes I laugh at who I was. But that, you know, like, what, what was I thinking? Those structures are very hierarchical, too. So they are. It's hard they to... are. Yeah. And so it wasn't the best fit. <laughs> so I went back and got my master's in school counseling and thought, I want to be the good guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just hand out detentions. I want to talk to kids about life mm-hmm. and help them on their path. And so that master's took me till 33. And at that point, I was highly educated. <laughs> you know, two masters. Super life. <laughs> I know, right? It definitely cost a pretty penny. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, um, that job wasn't the right fit either. In a school setting, being a school counselor is challenging. Uh-huh. You know, at the school I was at, uh, they had four grade level counselors, two college counselors, and a crisis counselor. That oh is not God. an under-resourced that's school. A, that's, that's a, a really full staff. We were very fortunate to have that. But each counselor had 450 kids on their caseload. Oh, wow. Yeah. So on one hand, we were very fortunate. On another, that's challenging. And How you're doing you know, a lot. Yeah, you can't know them. No. They, and they, oh, gosh, it was so archaic. They had a binder and they were, you know, every kid was in their binder. Paper pushing, you know, schedule checking, credit checking just wasn't what I expected. So I was floundering. I was 
33 and didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> Do any of us. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I felt like I graduated high school at 33 because yeah. I went from high school to college to high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, life has a funny way of sending you some loud messages. Yeah. A young woman at my school died by suicide July 4th, 2012. And for me, that was just the tipping point. You know, it shook us all up. Um, You know, suicide's complicated, Mm -hmm. and I now know that. But at the time, you wrongly think, you know, this kid had it all. Mm -hmm. That's not how suicide works. But, you know, again, wrongly, you just insulate yourself to that and Mm -hmm. think, those kids, you know, it's like a Kate Spade thing. Right. They have everything. Yeah. We just don't know what's going on. You don't. And mental health is, you know, there's Mm -hmm. very, it's a very nuanced, layered struggle for many. Absolutely. Um, but she was going into her senior year, and all of her friends were in my math class. So I'd stand up and teach math and then be surrounded by all of her friends. Uh-huh. And I just thought, enough's enough. High school's tough. And so at the end of that school year, I actually left and started my first company. That's awesome. Yeah. So your first company was? A tutoring coaching company for high school girls. Basically, I would stand up and teach math and then ask these girls what I could create. What, uh-huh. do, they, what do you need? How can I help you? you yeah, know, and that's just awesome. Trying to help them to dream and achieve big. So how did that, how did that go into creating Rise? Yeah, it's funny. I never set out to open a co-working space. Yeah, you were never like, <laughs> I taught math, but now I want to do co-working. I didn't even know what that word meant <laughs> when I first started. You know, I started the company in January 2013, the tutoring coaching company for mm-hmm. high school girls. It was right when Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In came out. Mm-hmm. You know, now Lean In is flawed for many people, mm-hmm. and I get that. But at the time, that was really instrumental. Mm-hmm. That really started a conversation that people weren't having. having. And so that got me going, and I really wanted to help change the world, right? And I luckily, my timing was great because her website came out mm-hmm. right then, and I had the good fortune of being on her website. Oh, that's awesome. Then for like an hour probably, my face was next to Oprah and Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I doubt it's still there, but I don't worry. I have we a picture. Find oh, it. I have the picture. <laughs> don't get yourself. We but, have screenshots. <laughs> yes, I have that. So that's all to say that I had great timing, mm-hmm. and so I had momentum. So I had the courage at the end of that school year to really leave education and pursue this company. I didn't know really what I was doing. I had no business degree or background, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And when I left education and graduated, if you will, you know, at 33, <laughs> I. Um, I really crashed and burned for a little while. I took for granted how much my classroom and mm-hmm. my peers are why I was successful out of gate. Mm-hmm. You know, going from living by the bells, getting at school by seven in the morning, eating by a bell, structure you get this so crazy permanent. structure, yeah, um, and having peers at your fingertips, yeah. and having a place to go, and having to get ready. You yeah. know, all those things that you don't think matter really matter. I think a lot of us struggle with that when we go out on our own. Yes. I remember just kind of the first like couple, like really the couple weeks I was not in a not mm-hmm. in an office right. like we've always worked out of the home and i'd be like cool i can go to yoga <laughs> and get groceries and like you know i can yes. like do stuff it's the paradox of choice you right? have too many options. and then it's 2 p.m and i haven't worked yet and yes. i'm like oh okay what? <laughs> yeah right let's yes. go like you have to create our own structure. I think it's that. And, and our for own me, peer group. Yeah. It was that. But also for me, it was just being paralyzed with fear. Mm-hmm. I was doing something I'd never done before, mm-hmm. um, really taking a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. And so I did a lot of numbing by watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> me and Netflix became really good friends in June I of think, 2013. I think we all do that. Yes. Oh, I think it's very Mine's normal. Mine's beauty YouTube, full disclosure. Oh, beauty YouTube? What yeah, is Yeah, I watch that? a lot of makeup tutorials. That's why your makeup looks so good. Okay, okay. It's my hobby. Yeah, right? That's how I disconnect from what needs to happen. Yeah, well, my salary for teaching was going to die in August. Mm -hmm. And being in June doing nothing, that was not setting me up for success. 
Totally get it. And I am not a trust fund kid, nor, no. you know, so come August, we're going to have some real so problems. You have to pay my rent. Yeah. Right? So come July, I was like, I have to get off the couch. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to, you know, like the 10 friends I had at the time, mostly educators, and said, I need to interview smart, strong, successful women because mm-hmm. how do I help girls achieve their dreams where I know how to be a math teacher? Mm-hmm. What if there's any other career path these people want to take? And, you know, one coffee turned into five, which turned into 10. And before I knew it, I had interviewed 300 women in St. Louis. That's awesome. It was another numbing tactic, basically. Mm-hmm. I transferred numbing with Netflix to numbing with coffee with amazing women. <laughs> but that was, that was productive, oh, though. <laughs> now I know business enough to say I was doing unintentional qualitative market research. Totally but at the were. time, I... I don't know what that term is. Like, I can barely understand it. Like, I was just drinking a lot of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I limited myself. Uh, yeah. So when you interview 300 women, you quickly realize that what they needed and wanted was mm-hmm. what I was wanting. You know, mm-hmm. they want to give back to the next generation. Mm-hmm. They want to collaborate with like-minded women. You know, you were talking about your peer That's group when we so first started talking hurting. about, you know, you really need those people that make you feel like the impossible is possible. Mm-hmm. And when you spend time with them, you're yeah. like, I can do this. Well, and to gas you up and yes. to like push you forward and totally. to be like, that's, that's. You can, you got this. That Or that goal is way too small for you. Yes. You know, like it's just really that. important to have those women in your life. Totally. And then lastly, you know, coffee shops are great, mm-hmm. but they get old really fast. And there's some nuances where like, who watches your laptop when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> Which true. sounds so silly, but if you ever worked at a, you know, coffee shop. I know, shop, it totally is. You have to back it all back you're up like, do you, and take or, it Do you take it with you? you or do you ask a stranger? I mean, is that person any safer? Right? No. And so... Yeah, so weirdly after all of that, I was like, you know what? I need to create a place selfishly that I can go to so yeah. to go to all these coffee shops. I need to create my own space. Yeah. And so I can hang out with all these cool women on a regular basis. And so I had the idea at the end of 2014. That's awesome. But it took me all the way to 17 to get it open. Well, that's a, creating a co-working space. It's a lot of work. Especially when you know nothing about business and you have to raise capital. <laughs> I had a long road well, and, and then learning curve. construction and finding mm-hmm. space and doing the thing. So that is awesome. Yes, I know it's you. a lot of work yeah. to do that. Um, some of us just hang shingles and <laughs> work out of the house. <laughs> and that works too. I was just blissfully naive. Um, so let's talk about the mission of Rise. Yes. Um, so tell us what the mission of Rise um, is. And also, I want to know how you created Quick Growth in St. Louis. Yes. Well, my whole, you know, it's funny. I say you have to be really clear in your why, but Mm -hmm. flexible in your how and your what. My Uh, why didn't change. As weird as that sounds, my why is still about those high school girls. Mm -hmm. My whole mission and vision is to create a pipeline for success, Mm -hmm. right? Grab them in high school and support them wherever they are in that journey. It's the how. Yeah. And so the co-working and the community I've created kind of helps to do that because Mm -hmm. I'm able to connect professional women from every industry you can imagine to these high school girls. And so that's, and the second thing we do at Rise is I believe there's research to show that the number one predictor to success in mm-hmm. business is social capital. Mm-hmm. And it, that same research shows that women have access to less and different social capital. So how that's do I right. make that social capital at people's fingertips and really help to see more women along that pipeline for success? I love it. Um, so how did you create such quick growth in St. Louis? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say quick growth because from where I was sitting, I was it's really like, slow. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I had, like I said, I had the idea at the end of 2014 mm-hmm. and I was having coffees with hundreds and hundreds of women at mm-hmm. that point. And so by the time we got open, gosh, I had had coffee with thousands of women. Yeah. You were like, is this done yet? <laughs> yeah. And so there are so many women that felt like they were a part of my journey because they were. Mm-hmm. They were the women. I learned how to do this off the backs of other women. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of women in St. Louis felt some ownership 
partnership and pride mm-hmm. in my journey. Mm-hmm. I had the good fortune too of doing uh, in St. Louis. We have the St. Louis Business Journal, and mm-hmm. they have a women's conference every January. And they had a competition called the Catapult Competition, mm-hmm. and I was one of the finalists and stood up in front of a thousand women in the community that are obviously all my target market <laughs> and give a one minute pitch. That's and awesome. then um, we had the good fortune of winning that pitch, so that really helped catapult us. Um, when we opened in February. That's amazing. Um, and then you took on Denver. <laughs> I love you say, like, no big deal, took on Denver. <laughs> well, I know. Um, you and I, when we, when we first talked, you right. were like, that was a whole nother can of worms, right? You were like, well, I'm going to pick a market. Yeah. So how did you pick Denver? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question. It again. is the million-dollar yeah. question. You know, I always knew that I wanted national and on a good day global expansion. So mm-hmm. the question is, where is the best next market? And mm-hmm. so looking at cities that are easy to get to, just a southwest flight mm-hmm. away, uh, similar in size. St. Louis is roughly 3 million people. Denver is roughly 3 million people. Uh, we are in an area in St. Louis called Clayton, mm-hmm. which is similar to Cherry Creek in mm-hmm. Denver. So okay. looking for similar de- demographics and vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all the business reasons. Well, there's a couple of business reasons. There, St. Louis and Denver, there's a lot of crossover in business. Pulsinelli. Mm-hmm. There's a big accounting firm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my members had relatives or friends in Denver, surprisingly mm-hmm. enough. There's a lot of people here. Yes. And then if you're <laughs> going into the census, yeah. 72,000 women business owners with no employees are in St. Louis. 88,000 here in Denver. I did not know that. Yep. Wow. So not that all of our members are just women business owners. We yeah. have everything you can imagine because of my why mm-hmm. in terms of that teen mentor program. Right. But if you look at the bell curve, a good chunk of them are going to be business owners, that's right? Crazy. And so I was like, that's a pretty decent sized market. So there's all the business reasons, but uh, personally, I knew I didn't know how to scale and grow yet. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was going to have to basically move there, and it was going to be through brute force that mm-hmm. we would figure this out. And my husband already was coming to Denver to oh, ski on the Epic so Pass. That works. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't too upset about it. you guys live here. We we'll do half an hour. Ish, yeah. I don't know. That question's not easy to answer. So what were some of the greatest obstacles in creating rides yeah. here in Denver? Yeah, that was, that's a good question. So I had never set foot in Colorado prior to February 2018. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in St. Louis, born and raised. <laughs> yeah, you're and, like, this is where my people are. Yes, and I really took for granted how much I really understood in the St. Louis market who the big players are. Mm-hmm. I had worked my way up, built yes. this massive network of people that were championed for me. Mm-hmm. And we were successful. And we had, um, you know, right out of the gate, as you read in the intro, we had the good fortune of having crazy amazing press just through Dumb Luck mm-hmm. and The Wing, which is another co-working, women-focused co-working space who's amazing. Because mm-hmm. of them, you know, a month after opening, we're in Elle Magazine and Bloomberg and, like, crazy That's publications crazy. that I would kill for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of street cred in St. Louis. And I took for granted how coming into a new city when nobody knows you nor cares about you <laughs> and you're like hey you want to have coffee and people are like, like you're like you? we don't need what you're selling and I'm like funny I'm not selling anything right now I don't even have a building you want to have coffee trying to meet people yeah so I took for granted how much that network and um, street cred really helped me to be successful so wow. I had to start all over yeah wow <laughs> which I is very imagine. humbling and a good growth experience Oh, it's so interesting to me. Because you were saying how hard it was to network in Denver. And I was like, really? But then I've always been here, right? right. So this is my yeah. you know, this is my home. But I know, I, I mean, we've had people on podcasts who have been here for like two years. And literally, I call them like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon situation, right? I always say like a half a degree of separation. Yeah, there you yeah. go. We all are. Right. Like, oh, almost, for sure. Almost everybody I meet like knows somebody I know. Yeah. Um, so it's just getting into that network. And really, I, I think I started, once I signed the lease in September 2000, 
18, mm-hmm. um, I really saw, saw things starting to turn around. First mm-hmm. of all, I got an apartment and mm-hmm. I was here more often. I think getting that apartment, people started starting to take me more seriously. Like, <laughs> you're not just going to be an outsider <laughs> popping in and people out. People checking your address. Yeah. It's so I crazy. Don't, <laughs> I don't know. It just meant I wasn't going away. Oh, okay. I wear uh, people down eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, um, so I want to talk some more about the the philanthropy arm, right? Yeah. Society. Um, so, what does that arm provide, and um, how is it integrated? Yeah. So, you've talked a little bit about it, but it, it's funny. It was it's actually your mission, originally, vision. yeah. And I think of Rice Collaborative. I think of Rice as like this umbrella, and under the umbrella, you have two arms. Mm-hmm. You have the workspace, and mm-hmm. you have the nonprofit, yeah. because we're all sort of we're all doing the same thing. Just mm-hmm. what is how are we? What tools are we using to do it? Yeah. Uh, the the nonprofit components were always in my business plan. I yes. never set out to start a for a nonprofit, but I got I encouraged, <laughs> strongly encouraged to take those things Curious out of a for profit. Yeah, you know, I the, it's a mentor. My nonprofit is a mentor program connecting mm-hmm. high school girls to our members. Mm-hmm. We also um, put on big events for high school girls with speed networking with our members and That's things awesome. like that. And then we give scholarships to girls and women who can't afford our memberships. And so my my advisors and investors were like, "What are those things doing in a non in a for profit?" <laughs> like I'm trying to make money here. <laughs> I was like, "I don't know. This is my why. So yeah. I don't care how we accomplish these goals, but we're doing them. Yeah. So we're doing them now in a nonprofit." So, um, so you have, which is just completely different than any other. You know, if when there's a philanthropy arm to mm-hmm. a business, especially when we're doing mentoring, like yep. it's a totally different situation. Your co working space is a co working space, but it's it's really so much more. Way different than. Yeah. You know, I have a marketing company that was a member in St. Louis, and they're like, um, yeah, it's time to rebrand your website, <laughs> which I'm still working on it. Yeah. Because the website is riseworkspace.com, and they're like, Stacey, your space is more like hub and spokes. Like, yeah. one spoke is the workspace, yeah. but it's just one of your spokes. You yeah. also have this mentor program. Because I'm a teacher at heart, we yeah. do so much curriculum. I'm not supposed to call it curriculum because adults don't want to feel like they're back in school. I do. I'm okay. daily in Okay, school. good. <laughs> programming is programming, what I'm supposed to call yes. it. So we put on weekly programming. Oh, that's awesome. We publish books, which I know sounds crazy, but we have a publishing arm. <laughs> I know. It's my ADAD. And, and then I we put it. on massive conferences, too. So we ha- we're so much more than a space. Mm-hmm. It, the space just provides that home base yeah. but it's more about a community and giving women a place to feel at home I love it mm-hmm. I love it so much and I need to come <laughs> out you need to come see it I sometime. know I need to come out um so I want to ask you about the co-working industry because we're seeing a lot oh, of no. stuff in the, no- in the news <laughs> I wonder right what now. you're gonna ask me about <laughs> I have no idea so co-working spaces have been getting some media attention oh have they <clears throat> we work um, read it daily <laughs> I know so what are your thoughts on the tra- trajectory trajectory of the industry I know that rise isn't really yeah. I mean you're not normal but I, <laughs> you're not normal. you're not normal which is good no I appreciate that um you know what are you guys seeing in the co-working industry what kind of you know obstacles yeah. are you guys seeing coming up well I think where what when you people hear the word co-working mm-hmm. I think what people's brains traditionally think about is a big space that's chopped up into a bunch of rentals mm-hmm. right um we worked at a lot of that mm-hmm. and and so for us, since we're so different than us, mm-hmm. for, than that, mm-hmm. um, for us it's the it's totally different. You know, yeah. it, for us it's about this community, it's a place to be. Mm-hmm. It's not about chopping up a space and renting it out to hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. While we do have almost 200 members here in Denver, they're not renting 
an office. Yeah. So I think the co-working industry is really changing and evolving, mm -hmm. and it's not a one-size-fits-all term. And so that term's almost outdated for a lot of us. So it's true. figuring out, you know, what is that term that really is a catch-all that explains all that we're doing. Yeah. Um, you guys call yourself a collaborative workspace. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's totally different than mm -hmm. um, the traditional, traditional, even if co-working companies traditional <laughs> at this point, right? Right. Um, that traditional space where you just, like, have the ability to, you know, find a cubby. Yeah. Somewhere. Well, and so many people are like, oh, I don't need a membership of your space. I don't need an office. And I, that always makes me laugh because in St. Louis, I have almost 300 members, everything from startup to a CEO of a $500 million company. She doesn't need an office. She know? has an office. I think she has a, a corner a office yes. somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, people are part of our community for not because of the space, not because they need an mm -hmm. office. It's about having that community. I know I'm being repetitive, so no, I apologize. No, but I think it's, it's important. I think there's a misnomer in my industry that it's about the space. And to be honest, when I started, I thought it was going to be about the space because I needed a space. <laughs> I didn't like, like working from home. And I was like, get, get me out of these coffee shops. So mm -hmm. for me, it was about the space. Mm -hmm. So it was confused when we opened. I have 6,000 square feet in St. Louis. And I had at one point 200 members. And it was still quiet. And it wasn't very full because mm -hmm. for the people joining, they weren't joining for the space. They were joining for our programming. And so they're not using our physical space on a consistent basis. That's awesome. Now that we have 300 members, it's a little bit buzzier. <laughs> it's like we got people coming in and out. And yeah, but same thing in Denver. I have 11,000 square feet. We're almost to 200 members. We only opened in April, which is great. I couldn't be happier. Um, but there, I'll be honest, there's definitely quiet days because not everyone's there for the space. And that's okay, because that just means I can take thousands of members. Well, and so, and I say this all the time, like, if you, when you create community, you actually create purpose yes. for people, yes. right? Like, you can't, you can't just create, like, create something and not create a community around mm -hmm. it, because it's just not going to work. Right. And people are craving it. We're hardwired for connection. Yes. But, and in some ways, we're more connected than ever before, but we're more disconnected. You don't even have to leave your house to get groceries. No. You know, and there's crazy research to show that disconnection is actually as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Can you believe that? At least Google says that. <laughs> Google says that. Well, we don't we'll to believe Google it. Today. All right. So before I ask my last question, um, where's the easiest way for people to find you? Yeah, we were actually before the podcast talking about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I love me some LinkedIn. Yes, so you can find me on my personal LinkedIn, LinkedIn Stacey Tobman, uh, on any of the social media platforms under Rice Collaborative Workspace. Not is great Facebook too. Done. Yeah. <laughs> She's teasing. I'm all over. Audrey, Audrey, don't get mad at me. <laughs> I hired Audrey Brem from Brem Media mm -hmm. to help us with our social media. And we're working on it. I'm Facebook. just kidding. Yes. My friend, her anyway. And we, we'll link everything down on the That'd description boxes. Um, so. Question for you. Okay. What creates the biggest impact on growth for women-owned businesses, um, and how do we cultivate that impact? Yeah. So I live by the quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, by Jim Rohn. Oh, and I, going back to our why, that's social capital. Mm -hmm. You know, we are so busy as women. We wear so many different hats, I'm and sure sometimes it's exhausting. And to think all about – All the times. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. going to be all the times. Yeah. And sometimes to put yourself out there and have coffee meetings mm -hmm. when you really just need to get your to-do list done mm -hmm. or going to a networking event or any mm -hmm. of these other things that don't directly impact your business right then and there mm -hmm. feels exhausting and unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But taking the time to build that those relationships mm -hmm. – it really makes a difference in your business. So that that quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, I think it's important to think about who are my five, mm -hmm. where am I putting my effort, and am I building my social capital? Because it's time. I love that. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. This is fun. So good. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening or watching. 
Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant. Be abundant.